Uh, all right, so the third one is I wish I win. Um, we never stop learning in this caper, and you know the, his, his run was phenomenal at Sandown. And then in the Turak, when we expected a lift, it wasn't. But the data strongly suggested, on, and we discussed this on the Monday show, that he was flat from that 13-day backup off such a big performance. Yeah, and this is why this is the only other run that I'm interested in from the locals, Ralphie. There was no way Private Eye could have been suited staying at the distance. It's just, just no way. This is a horse that would have would have been screaming for more ground, and yet it was able to put in an unbelievable performance. And now coming up 100 metres is going to be massive. Oh, I'm not saying that, you know, like I would have loved to see. Oh. Is this going to be coming to Melbourne, Ralphie? Is there a mile race or anything like that? Well, there is up? next Sunday, but I don't know if this is if they've decided no, we'll we'll take this race while it's here. Well, my views is take this race. Yep. Because you're going to run first or second, because that's that's exactly where you're going to finish first or second. Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. And with a little bit of Eagle Rock, thanks so much for listening to us. It's the year-round carnival for Monday edition Cup Eve. Vince Accardi, that was a fantastic week's racing. Of course, that audio, uh, courtesy of Sky Racing, the fantastic calling there. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, of course. It's, it's this is always a good time. You dry or wet, isn't it? Absolutely. And we got both in uh, in Melbourne. The uh, the Derby was a bit of a, a bit of a slog fest. It's got to be said. But uh, electric work from in secret up the straight in the Cornmore, and of course, uh, Craig Williams just uh, just did a little miracle there on uh, ice bath in the Group One mile. But let's start in Sydney, Vince, and this race. Oh, hats off to Peter Volandis. We can say we're, we're independent. We're just saying what's great for the sport. This uh, Golden Eagle, it's got to be now in the top 10 races in Australia, doesn't it? <laughs> Sooner it'll be in the top 10 in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You put the money there, they will come. Yeah, well, I, I, I wouldn't mind knowing what he's got planned next. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's only so much you can do at the top end of uh, of talent. That's the, that's always a challenge. But um, but when this is top end talent here, and it was seen on Saturday, and it was seen via clean ground. So before we uh, deep dive deep into, I wish I win, as as we heard on the uh, that little uh, opener there. There was the only local horse you wanted to be with. We'll get to the <laughs> international. How exactly did Rose Hill play? Rose Hill, yes. Well, firstly, if we look at where did you come from, it was really interesting. With the exception of the last race, you had to be midfield back. 
and typically where you you wanted to position yourself, you definitely couldn't be any further back than six and a half lengths. Well, I mean, yep. that star of India came from the furthest part back in approaching the 800 metre mark. But realistically, everything was sort of around that five, four to five length range was like golden. Lane-wise, there was just a bit of an exception. Private Eye, 11, and Oakfield Arrow, 13. I thought these two runners won outside the lanes. So... That, that's like extra impressive for me when they can win outside the lanes. All the others pretty much bang on in the lanes where you needed to be to get optimum performance. And, and the Rosal lanes are pretty much typically off the fence, just, to, just yep. you know, through, to, three, to, three to, to seven. Yeah, that yeah, two to six, three to seven, absolutely. Yep. All right, we'll, uh, we'll start with the Golden Eagle, Vince. Um, so the thoughts about I wish I win – we never stop learning. We did a deep dive on this on the Monday show after the uh, after the Caulfield Guineas Day, and I'll put it to you. Was there a chance, hindsight at the time? We were completely Monday's expert hindsight because we both liked it in the Turak. Yes. But I said to you, was there a chance this horse was flat? And <laughs> that that then, you know, this is part of, part of the art, isn't it? You've got to, got to reassess your, your own way of looking at things. Oh, you really do, Ralphie, and it was, it was a pretty – powerful point when you when you brought that runner up and I guess of course it's easy now but we did articulate it that the scenario about the horse being flattened by the performance and therefore needed to be respected and because you knew leading into that flat line run that this horse potentially had some explosive capability which we just didn't know exactly what is it right how far could this horse actually go and we didn't get to see it because of the fact that it, after the event that it was flat but we got a lot better picture on the weekend about where this horse is heading and what its capability and and it did it with real uh, serious performance like in terms of pressure well, uh, before we get to how, how big the pressure was, this is your race speed profiles. Now, um, anyone gets this with uh, either via daily sections or, of course, if you get our, our upgraded preview podcast that you heard a, a grab from it and you can listen to the whole thing. We always put it up completely unedited on the Monday. So you can listen to the whole uh, podcast of, of how we previewed the race. But on your race speed profiles, he burst on the scene when a dominant winner first up producing 8.4 length mid-race squeeze off minus 8.1 below first section, had to overcome a minus 1.1 slowing from the 6 to 4 already but finished sharply late. Had full talents on display second up, sand down, increasing his speed by 9.4 lengths, further accelerating through the mid to sustain above benchmark combined and mid in a strong 800 finish. And you go on for further details. But the point being, at Stampium is real talent, but 13-day backup is tough for any horse under that circumstance. Yes, absolutely. And I guess there it was all on display. <laughs> no wonder. How fast did they go, Vince? This is the thing. So Mr oh. Mozart decided to take it up to in the Congo. Didn't do either yeah. very much good. Well, not when you're going plus ten. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was, I was happy to see it though. I, when I say I was happy to see it, I was just happy to see, you know, good clean surface because you can see how much they want to run. Yes, and there it was. Was it an overextension? Absolutely, plus ten. Like that's there's no sleeping there. Maybe two lengths more than ideal, but probably at the end of the day was never going to change the outcome. But it just meant. If you had any capability, it was going to be on display and you're going to have, you were going to have to turn up and really deliver. And if you weren't ready, well, then it wasn't going to work for you. Like, let's say even a horse like in the Congo, when you're going that fast, pretty hard to still be there at the, at the end. No doubt. The, the, I don't know. Did you see the, the overhead chopper shot? Uh, no. 
it's a beauty. So I know all your work's lateral as far as you know getting the the lead points, but what it uh, what it really showed was the courage of going too soon. And by that I mean, and this is evident by the numbers, which I want to ask you. He was following Pinstripe, and when Pinstripe was going to take him nowhere, Luke Nolan decided to peel out and go bang and go for home at the 600 and really sustain that run. And what's evident, Vince, by looking at your 200-metre increments, he actually copped a little bit of the slowdown at 600. So off that brutal speed, Nolan could obviously sense, I'm going to lose momentum if I don't take off now. Oh, for sure. And this is like a further testament that there's going to be more to come. Right. So, so what, what's he done and where, where are you projecting? Well, here we are. We've got a rock solid 5.4. 5. Now, when I, when I look at the 5.4, we know once you start getting up this range, like you're really climbing, I'm not saying the very top of the mountain, but for Australia, that definitely gets you like in that top 10 to 20 maximum uh, pool of runners that we have in the country at the moment. That's that's where you are. and. I just, I'm, I'm not saying this horse could go six and a half, but I, I, if it got the perfect blended run, then I'd say it might hit that number. And it was no surprise either about the distance because why can't this horse get more as well as in terms of distance? I mean, the way it performed under this type of scenario, I wouldn't call it its golden race shape, but there you go. I, I, I feel this horse can go five to you know ivr plus five plus six range definitely at a mile and i'll be very keen to see what that moody team do you know later in the future with this horse it's a very lightly raced horse and i love it when they keep improving there's nothing to say that this horse can't keep improving like well beyond what i'm just saying now so he handled pressure here but what he's also shown is an ability to relax if he needs to Yes, yes. And he was entitled just at the end to just, you know, drop off. Because when you get that dip, even though it's like a, not at the absolute most critical part, but that does impact your acceleration, Ralphie. Yeah. You're going to be affected by that. And still burst onto the scene like after that had happened to go above benchmark. That was the only runner between the four and the 200 to actually spike with that increase in speed coming off a slowdown. What do we make of Fangirl's run? Uh, you always say within eight lengths sort of, of, a, of a brutal lead speed you want to be. Well, this this mare's nearly 10 lengths off the lead at the 800-metre mark. Oh, it was massive. This is another horse I always felt had some sort of a capability. <sighs> Again, you know, like I was quite taken by how big the run was. I, I definitely felt that it came from a non-winning position and almost stole the show. And... Again, this is what happens, Rafa, when you can get the opportunity to really conserve energy. And, and realistically, this horse did conserving all that energy. If you compare it to I Wish I Win, there was about a four and a half length of saving of energy. But then yep. it was used in a pretty serious manner between the eight and the 400 and almost, almost stole the show. I will send you that link to the overhead because what it also showed, and one of our listeners said it, Huey Bowman blowing the whistle, unbelievable the runs he took. It was just yeah. ridiculous, the bravery of these blokes at the top level. Yes, yes. And girls. I agree. Yeah. Um, so is, is she's you've given her the same score as I wish I win, 5.4 legs above benchmark. And I suppose what we have to say then is the previous two runs shows that, you know, there's only so much capability you can have on slow ground if you're better off on, on top of it. Yes, and what it also clearly showed for me is 
like if you look at a horse like this particular one you just mentioned, Fangirl, I mean, I even myself, I didn't realise it had that much capability. Yeah. That, that could rise to that occasion. And this is this race here, particularly for the top four horses, this is going to stand up in a very serious way moving forward. Uh, no doubt. Well, and that brings us to Gypsy Goddess. That's a big performance to do that first up. What, what, what's, what, right now, I suppose she's sort of been one of those no-ceiling runners. But what, one thing I want to start by asking is that really on, on the map, the expectation was to be right at the back and probably where Fangirl was. But instead, Pikey actually put her right in that golden position. I'm so happy to see that also for for Pikey, because whether you know he continues to stay in Sydney and race there or not, he's finally sort of coming around to. You can't just always be at the back, yeah, because it, it doesn't work like it does in WA. And I, I I felt that it was terrific. He really made the big difference. Yep. Now could have been just a slight overarching. Uh, realistically, he obviously felt this horse was in terrific uh, condition. And can Van Dyke get a horse to turn up? This this is the other big positive about this particular trainer. He certainly knows how to do that. There was a lot of communication that that this camper had had a really giant opinion. Of course, I couldn't see it on the clock to this extent. But when it turned up and did that, I said, wow, how good are you? Because you have a look at what happened here with this horse. All the way from the eight to the six, all the way down to the 200-metre mark, Ralphie, this horse lost around four lengths of acceleration. Yep. And to then to be able to turn it around and pretty much get it like a, a top five last 200 metres for that race in terms of above benchmark was another big signal about how capable this horse is. Well, I don't know. Are all these horses going to venture back to Melbourne, Ralphie, for the last week, or is this going to be the end for them for this campaign? Well, I'd say there's a fair chance it'll be the end for I Wish I Win Fangirl. Gypsy Goddess, who knows? I mean, the, the other option too is, I don't know which ones are uh, eligible for the Magic Millions, where there's obviously big prize money, but I'll tell you what, the uh, that, given the IVRs here, the... Um, the, the, the Perth Carnival with that uh, the railway and the and the Kingston Town, which might be renamed, I think it's called the Northley now. Um, yeah, that 1600, 1800 Group Ones in Perth on clean ground. Wow, they're going to take some beating these horses. Well, I hope there's some interest where they consider these things. Of course, you also have it because it's such a big race. They're prepared, you know, obviously very specifically for a race. And sometimes, it has happened to some horses, they they never come back. I'm not sure we're at that level here. I don't believe there's been that sort of overextension. If if they had gone like another three or four lengths faster than me, maybe then I'd be really worried. But I felt that there was they'd gone really fast, but they didn't overreach. Therefore, I'm not going to put anything in the gut-busted territory like where they don't come back anymore because that can happen to some horse, particularly when it's like monster first-up runs. It can you know be quite punishing. But uh, from the talent point of view, I'm I'm excited because really demonstrated about who we can follow in the future. All right, let's get to the pain light infantry. Oh. <laughs> that, that. Oh, look, I, oh, the rider. Do I want to blame him or not? He, you know, what is he going to do? He was doing a lot of procrastinating, trying to work out where to go, what to do, how should I go this way, that way. Obviously, he's got a, he's he's got courage. But the reality was, at ne- at never at any given point did he make his own 
plan. He he was to me it felt like he was always looking for the luck or the split to come. And maybe that's what a lot of riders do, but in this type of scenario, given the field and that you could have a lot more tactic. Like if you're a local, you, you I don't believe you ride the same way. That's no chance. my view, right? You just would not ride it the same way. You would have a different strategy. And I'm not knocking any of the internationals. I can imagine why sometimes you might do it because yeah, it, there's a lot of trust and belief that you have to have in particularly a big race like this, like this and the expense to bring a horse out. Um, but, you know, we have in Australia, without a shadow of doubt, there's at least a dozen riders that can ride anywhere on the planet and be just as good, of course. They might not have the relationship and things like that. So this is a very costly exercise because there was millions left behind. Millions. Oh, that's and it. That's how it goes. So if you didn't get our preview podcast, you can listen to it now, um, obviously, uh, just via normal channels that you listen to this. And uh, and really, you pegged this horse as a serious, serious talent, and it was circumstantial on the day. The, the, the illogicality to me, Vince, and again, we're, we're sitting on our backside on the chair. We're not, we're not in a horse, but uh, it is an analogy for you. I remember in my media days, I did uh, chat with Alan Moffat, the great motor racing legend. And yes. he said how he has to drive at Bathurst every single year. He has to do all that practice to get a feel for the track. So doesn't that also tell you that with a rider under the same circumstance, not knowing the, the, the track nor the opposition is going to put you at a disadvantage. Yeah, for sure. And, <laughs> unfor- and unfortunately, particularly right, Rose Hill, it has its own characteristics. There's, there's a lot of money at stake. Yep. And there was left. Now, one one point, uh, again, the art of sectional time, some people mistakenly think it's all about closing speed. Uh-uh. It's about every part of a race. And you were keen to oppose Chain of Lightning. You said she is every likelihood to just be caught in a speed vacuum. And under that circumstance, you're just not seeing where she can get to the plus four range that you sort of pegged this race at. Yeah, and this is the challenge for this horse, right? When they've got to taste that medicine for the first time, it's, it's so tough. And you have a look at this this horse. 7.6 lengths above bench. Like, that is like, it's like going, getting the bucket out, right? Like, that's hard. Well, how much faster compared to her other runs was that? <laughs> well, if, 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 you, if you're going to be that nice, Ralphie, if you just look at even the last start, right? Yep. You're talking about, what, a 14-length turnaround speed? That's over two seconds. That That's serious overreach. And then... Not only that, even between the eight and the four, it's still running above, above benchmark. That's like another three, three, three lengths in in the mid race. So overall, this horse, for the first two thirds of the race, when compared to last start, has almost gone three seconds faster of sustained speed. What do you think is going to happen? Right, <laughs> the first time round, I'm saying yes. It's it's amazing how especially young horses how they can improve off that, right? Because they get to a whole new range of understanding in terms of their aerobic threshold. And you can see it in the data. I actually felt, given the circumstance, if you see how it weakened, once it sort of got to, dropped off another three lengths between the four and 200, it pretty much maintained that velocity to the end, maybe dipped another half length. So it was a good, solid performance for this horse, first time around, and way too close to the speed. But... I get it. What are you going to do? Where where should you be? You want to be in a in a winning chance, but realistically, this horse would have done so much better had it been where Fangirl was. Yes, a non-winning chance, 
but the horse would have finished a lot higher up because the first time round to come off, you know, race shapes that are six, seven lengths below benchmark, it's too much for a horse to to lift, and they just don't have that um, exposure. And it's also the classic case that. You know, we often say you got to look at every race shape and its individuality. So to automatically assume an inside barrier is a advantage is a complete fallacy because under under this circumstance, inside barrier, Jamie Carr's not going to settle settle back four or five back, pairs back looking for luck. She's going to put the horse in there to give her every chance. But <laughs> you're going to have nothing left late. Yeah, and I maybe even for Jamie Carr, my view this is just my view. Yep. Maybe maybe she's also evolving as a rider because sometimes you do need to be very tactical in your movement. And this was one of those scenarios because I don't believe she was riding the horse to its comfort zone through the first half. It was really it was all about tactics and wanting to be very specifically in a position so you could have that opportunity. Unfortunately, it didn't work for him. All right. The Nature Strip was a, a, a super sprint, and there were two horses you were keen on, Vince. You ended up saying, well, lost and running. I think, I'm, if memory serves me right, it was about a 90% chance of filling the top three. Private Eye, 80%. Uh, unfortunately, lost and running's pulled up a little bit sore, and Private Eye just kept doing what he's doing. How do you, uh, you assess the, uh, the Nature Strip here? Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal performance, really. Couldn't have got a, a better race shape. I, I felt like 3.7 lengths above the standard through that first half of the race. I, that was like excellent speed for everybody. And where was Private Eyes rider position? Going half length below benchmark, travelling just over four lengths behind that race shape. That's a golden position, Ralphie. You, you could not have wished under any circumstance to be in a better spot than that in terms of your energy distribution. And even in the mid-race, and this was the big thing, there was no shift in the mid-race, which that surprised me. And then it became who has got the best last you know, four or 500 metres of acceleration. And if you're that close, oh, we, we, we've been seeing how – this particular horse has been going private eye and how airborne this is and the fact that it, how much it's been screaming out for more ground. Well, look, at the end of the day, the way it ran was never going to get beaten, Ralphie. If anybody would have challenged it, it would have won by more. What about momentum? And I know you've said how, how perfect uh, Abdallah was in the first two sections, but looking at your table here on the uh, on the chart, uh, the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth horse all lost momentum at the 800-metre mark. Uh, he's just maintained his speed. Yeah. this Again, that's the power of positioning running and being in the right flow state of a race shape and the rider having that understanding about, I don't want horses capable of, I know I'm in a golden spot, I do not need to burn any more fuel until it counts. And this is what happened. Have a look at it. Between the 8 and the 6.3 below, between the 6 and the 4.1, and then between the 4 and the 2, 1.4 above, and then huge last 400 metre finish to actually increase the pace by another 3.5. And, and why could the horse do this is because of the way it was ridden through the first section. Then I look at the squeezes. You don't see this a lot, Ralphie, but either side, double zero. In other words, it couldn't have got it any better than what it did. And the horse won with a lot in reserve, I felt, as well. 
which sets it up for a quick backup this week. So, oh, uh, is that what's going to happen? It's coming to Melbourne against I'm Thunderstruck. Ah. It's it's uh, it's going to be a, a real race this this Champions Mile. So uh, we can't wait for that. So we're going to uh, preview this on on Friday morning. Um, we won't be able to do a Saturday morning update podcast, but we will of course update the final edition. So the two packages will be the deep dive into the quaddy legs, which includes the the big Fleming and sprint, the uh, the old McKinnon and the mile. So it's going to be such a good uh, meeting here. The last day of Flemington, and you can get the preview podcast via my website, racetrackralphie.com.au. Uh, all of Vince Cardi's work, of course, via daily sectionals, and um, and we will do two options there. There will be the deep dive on the quaddy legs. The extended one will have a second podcast on the Friday. Uh, both packages get the early edition of the uh, race speed profiles, and the second package will have the final edition update on the Saturday morning too, allowing for any scratchings and conditions there. So get there. Now, our Group 1 members, you'll get a bit of a bonus today. On There's a couple other Dynamite Rose Hill uh, races there. So just for time constraints, we can't get it now. So we'll do that as a secondary podcast. Our Group 1 members, uh, we always look after them. Uh, and of course, our listed members, they get best of the day. Like Private Eye was best of the day on Turnbull Day, like, uh, like of course, the other winner I wish I win was. So we look after members. But the Group 1 bonus podcast will include a couple of deep dives into the other Rose Hill races that, uh, wow, there's some coming winners for sure there. Derby Day, Fleming Vince. Can we can we have just another little sing of praise for Liam O'Keefe? How, how, how heavy was this track after all the rain it copped? Well, Ralphie, I, I was <laughs> distributing some information, right? And <laughs> after the, I was going after the race one. I was going, what? Are we? This is is this fair income? We, we're talk. I I couldn't pin the ra- the track anything worse than an S six after race one. <laughs> and what was even more ironic? Later in the day, when it started raining, and it wasn't you know huge dumps of rain, but it was raining. Yep. The track was still improving, Ralphie. Like, it was actually still improving towards... This just means his ability to determine how much water... Because this is what it comes down to, right? How much water yeah, you apply is critical. So he's anticipated... Obviously, he's, he's had a, an understanding about what the possibility of rain... But how did he get it to that level is what freaks me out, right? And that would also mean the way he's cut the blade of the grass yep, as well because that plays a massive role about how much water retention you are or not going to have. Oh, and, and I'm saying to myself, we're, we're, we are absolutely in a super situation come Cup Day. And you, you talked about like that final day Saturday. Could that be one of the best days on the card? Because – from what I can understand, it could be some monster races happening, like the very best of the best are going to race each other in a number of races. Well, Giga Kick versus uh, versus Nature Strip, Animo in the 2000. And, oh, who's well, going to race against Animo? Well, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then and, and then the mile race. Yep, exactly. Oh, so. I'm, I'm so excited. Well, I don't know. I guess there's, you know, you've got Cup Day to get through and then... I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, keep us honest. All right, Vince, let, let's have a look at this Cornwall, mate. So the... Um, the challenge was this, and this was on the Friday. There was there were two horses that were standout talent wise. In Jackano picky off in secret into a phenomenal golden rose, but they had to come back to fourteen hundred. One had had an extra run in a brutal uh, Everest stakes. So was he going to have speed in the legs in Jackano? In secret, she had five weeks to to freshen up and come to play. One did come to play at her absolute best, and Jackano just reflected a horse who just had the speed out of his legs. Yes, well. We sort of touched on it on Saturday morning, Ralphie, that 
whilst you know, okay, both horses weren't you know ideally suited, but one of the the power advantage they had, they had a real class edge on the competition. And you're right, Ralphie, we even touched on it that in secret, just as it turned out, was better position for this race for maximum performance, even though. This is also another horse that uh, is super capable of uh, being able to not only perform at the level it did on the weekend with the numbers, because we got to see another uh, bow to its capability, but this is a horse that can do that type of performance or better over longer ground as well. So this is a very, very exciting filly, Ralphie. Well, so 3.9 lengths above benchmark best of the day. The reason she was able to post that figure was oh, they often sit up in a straight race. They didn't sit up here, did they? No, they went with good speed, 2.6 lengths above through that first critical 400 metres. That sets up to the race nicely, and it does give a lot of horses their chance. Now, in terms of where do you want to be positioned, the beauty of that sort of race shape, Ralphie, if you've got good capability of being able to control up the straight, you, you can be four lengths, even five lengths off that lead space and still be a genuine winning threat. And this did give this opportunity to, I felt, most horses. And under that circumstance, so uh, in secrets blown away, speed horses like Cool and Gatter, Economics, uh, well, it was a good night. Have, have, have a sleep at about the 400-metre mark. <laughs> yeah, well, they had to deal with a bit of headwind as well. Exactly, yeah. So that makes it tough for them, I agree. And it's not easy, and, and it was. And... <laughs> Of course, I, I also felt that in the straight there was just a little bit more give earlier in the day compared to later because you could see even though there, were, there was only one race where the wind dropped like once they jumped from sort of like typically was anywhere between 17 or 20 kilometres per hour in the home straight and there was the one race where it actually dipped to around 10 and you could see then how much the track had changed in condition as well. Like, I felt by the time we got to the end of the race, there was about a four to five length improvement in the straight. So yep. very early in the day, there was a scenario where you had some negatives, but the wind was going to sort of, unless you can get that cover, was going to play a little bit of havoc. But in this case, I felt that most of those runners had their chance off that race shape. And it was just all about, you know, whether you had to finish. Well, I, I guess probably the way to, to also explain this outside of uh, your IVR data is that In Secrets won with the 41st best last 400 of the day, the 36th best last 200 of the day. So they're, they're all very tired here, and that, that showed you that the speed was early. Often in a Coolmore, a winner can explode with the best last 400 of the day, but there was no chance of that happening with the early pressure. No, no, and, and this this was the race, Ralphie, where in, the, in the, that home straight where they had the wind socket, where it was recorded at 107 when they jumped. Right. So that's, yeah, significant. Yep. Um, now, the uh, the mile, we'll, we'll skip the derby and get, leave that to last, but the uh, the mile, um, uh, little Craig Williams Clinic here on Ice Bath, we, there were two, two scenarios that you could look at. Would the Kiwi just be too good? Would Ice Bath be insane price? And uh, thank you, Craig. Uh, she was ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous odds. And uh, and uh, all she had to do was jump, which she didn't do the week before. But she's proven on the quick backup. She's proven at a mile. She's proven in soft ground. And she came to play. So the, the, the dual question to you, Vince, is what did she do? And how disappointing was Lark Creek to you? Okay. Well, firstly, the there was a good level of confidence that this horse was on a rebound and I know there's that trepidation about potentially that's not going to happen depending on how you were looking at the profile but our view was that 
there is this possibility, particularly with the given the ground was only going to sort of extend its chances of being able to rebound. And if it didn't, then maybe that's that's it for the horse. Now, overall, firstly, 2.4 lengths above IVR benchmark isn't something that is, you know, you're going to clap and say unbelievable for the day because sometimes it's tough to run time and this is why it's also important to contain things of what's happened on the day. And what you can't ignore is when you have a top 10 performance. And this this was a top 10 performance for the day. It was 2.4 above, third best of the day. So I'm paying huge respect to that. The second part was really where you were positioned in running, 12.6 lengths below benchmark and the lead speed being around 4.7. It's like a borderline scenario about you were like right on the outer edge of being in the race to be able to win. And it was the masterful ride and <laughs> Hard up against the fence, one, two, technically even three. They weren't the they weren't the golden spots to be in that scenario, and to be to be on the inside with all that energy that he conserved, I just couldn't believe how Craig did that, and he was rewarded for it. Because look at the closing splits; they were all above benchmark, and the big move in the mid race. It was a thirteen point two length uh, mid race squeeze off. It was pretty significant, and he won the race by having that clean breath on the inside and he wasn't going to get smothered by anybody or a checkered run. And maybe the uh, rider from Sydney could sort of get understanding about what what you need to do about having clean air. <laughs> as, in, as in Jamie uh, Spencer there on yeah, the line infantry. Exactly. And, and uh, I'll say it for the millionth time, but the, the fascination to me of seeing the best riders ride to the numbers, and by that I say, of course, they're not trying to ride to the numbers, but they're trying to get the most efficiency out of the animal. The last 600 metres in 200 metre increments, plus 0.8, plus 0.7, plus 0.6. You couldn't get more perfection, could you? No, no. You definitely <laughs> couldn't get it any better than that, Ralphie. It was absolutely perfect. Now, with the other runner, Lark Creek, Lark Creek yeah. it's always a challenge, Ralphie, when you come to, you know, like from New Zealand to Melbourne, you don't always turn up and run to your best. I, again, now I'm talking strictly hindsight, right? Yep. Because I actually felt this horse was like on a booming elevation upwards because that performance at matter matter of a two and a half above best of the day and the way it did it was uh, very, very impressive. And given that that was second up, I actually didn't feel, again, this is going into the race, I actually felt that we're going to have a springboard upwards. Yep. It actually turns out to be that the horse was flattened by that run and did and did a big, big run to do what it, what it, what it ended up doing. And here's, here's how I come to that analysis. is When I look at the first section that it did in New Zealand last hour, 5.2 below, comparing to – this horse has gone another three lengths slower yep. than that, but didn't have the mid – did not have the mid-race acceleration, and there was no reason why you shouldn't have had the mid, you know, a more aggressive mid-race compared to what it did. Because that day there in New Zealand, the mid-race move was 11 and a half lengths, and it was like six lengths above benchmark between the eight and the four. And here, the acceleration was like four lengths less, Ralphie, Ralphie plus another two lengths less through the first section. There are signs of you're a bit flat. And then in the... Then, in, you know, like in the home straight, like I felt, okay, let's see if you've got the kick. And it didn't have it. It just didn't have it. So I'm not going to ride it off the wall yet. Yeah. It's just, it's just hopefully the, this horse will get another opportunity to run and, and we'll see if it can test itself. And then, mind you, does that mean the horse would have beaten Ice Bath? Well, it's hard to say now because 
2.4 is what Ice Bath ended up doing, and Lark Creek's best so far is 2.5. So possibly not, right? Maybe just going to rebound and run to 2.5 and, and there'll be no more. But you know, I'm, I'm not sure I've got no inside it, but the, yep. you know, there's, the, there's the matriarch next Saturday over 2,000 and often uh, I think uh, well, there was a good Kiwi who's done that before. Well, that, that's good news because what I do know of this runner it's actually definitely going to thrive on step up as well. All right, well, let's see if it goes there. The derby events, um, so there's probably two scenarios uh, to look at it pre and post race. Um, there, there was some good figures produced by the likes of Mr. Maestro and Berkeley Square, both at Mr. Maestro and Clean Ground Turbo Stakes Day, Berkeley Square the week before at Mooney Valley. Uh, that's the class factor in the end. Does it look like it just became a slog race? Well, there was good speed, I felt. Yeah. Two lengths above benchmark, pretty much. First time, 2,500. Like, that. that's everybody asking for an effort. Yep. There was a bit of a collapse in the mid-race as well. And I guess they were just all preparing themselves to get the right position, just the way the wind was playing. And then at the end of the day, it was just who could hold on. And if you want to look at power of lanes, <laughs> and you, we all know, yes. personally, J-Mac was like on fire about where he had his horses. Yep. He's like absolutely nailed his brief about where you needed to be. But in this particular race, he was 100% beaten by the lane bias variance of where one horse is sitting in one lane and the other horse is sitting in the other lane. And, and to be clear, Sharp and Smart's lane five. Now, that's optimum if you don't have to tackle a horse that's getting out into lanes 11 and 12 because – I, there's no doubt there's at least one length variance in those two positions in running. It's hard to do that when the rail's in the true position. It can happen in big fields, but just the way they sat up and come around the turn with the wind, it got it got into that run and was able to knock this horse off right at the end. I felt the money was right, like because they absolutely Oof. packed, you know, really stacked it on for the second yep. runner. And that, in my view, that was the only reason why the horse got beaten. It's not because the other runner was a superior horse, but that's what happens. That's victory. And lane uh, three, third and fourth was also out deep in the lane. So yes. although Mr. Maestro having to be three wide the entire trip, I'm, I'm sure that didn't help it. No. <laughs> and with about Berkeley Square, well, Rolfie, it, it really, in my view, never got into it. Although, well, look at the last 200 metres. There was some positives there. There was a bit of a dip between the four and the two, lost around two and a half lengths, and then made some acceleration. But you know, wasn't competitive compared to those horses, the top, the you know, the top group. I, I don't know if you've got any any wind insights, but you know, what we have got is apples to apples. That the the twenty four hundred Lexus, uh, sorry, twenty five hundred meter Lexus in race two uh, was significantly stronger than the Derby. So that sort of says that it was a bit of a slog fest. Yeah. So from a wind point of view, if I if I look because we did capture it as they yep. jumped out of the gates. Basically, it's pretty ironic. If you go around the back straight, both getting tailwind, early in the day it was 10.4 kilometres per hour, and it was 10.3 for the uh, derby race. Right, then so- in the back, this is the, we're going to the back turn, <laughs> yeah. it was 17.4 for the derby versus 16.7. Very similar, but here's the interesting part. Definitely the last 200 is going to make it real, really clear here, Ralphie. you got 15.1 for the Derby. This is coming around that home turn, yep. what the wind is, versus earlier in the day, 13.7. But the last part, the home straight where you're into the headwind, 7, 17.8 for the Derby versus 15.9. Now, it's only two kilometres, but that has an impact at that speed. When you've got that sort of wind speed, if it's like eight to 10 kilometres, 
you're not going to have any real difference. But when you're up above 15, 16, it really makes a difference every kilometre. Just resistance is huge. Just another factor to put in, do you, mate? I love that. Fascinating that just, cape, cape yeah, I, I can't wait till they do that for every track. Absolutely. It just means we're going to improve with our tools of working. All right. Well, uh, like I said, we're, we're going I want to ask you a couple of things about the Wakeful too because with a quick back up to the Oaks. But we'll save that for the Group 1 uh, exclusive podcast. If you want to become a Group 1 member, via my website, racetrackralphie.com.au. Vince Cardi's work, including his Melbourne Cup preview via dailysectionals.com.au.